Welcome to Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports with your host, Rob Elwood. Join us as we open the door and take an unforgettable journey to unlock the full power of sports on and off the field. Listen to personal stories and reflections from incredible leaders who are sure to move and inspire you. So listen and enjoy another episode of Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports. the best part about sport is that that sense of self-accomplishment whether you're doing it as a team or doing it in individual sports such as running in triathlons you still have that sense of accomplishment when you cross that finish line or your team wins that event and that's the best part yes if you do a bake sale you sell some cookies you get excited but it's not like that feeling when you get across that finish line and especially for me I know that when I'm racing for a cause though it makes that feeling going across the finish line 10 times better because I'm not just doing it for myself, but I'm doing it for others. The other great thing about sports is it keeps you healthy. So when you're out there, you can know that you're keeping your body fueled for success and keeping your body ready for anything you want to accomplish. Okay, Who Are You Nation? I am extremely honored to introduce our special guest today, Winter Vanecki. Winter, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. And we even have the pleasure of having your mother, Don, is right there with you. I understand you're home and want to say hi to her as well. Hi, Don. Hi, it's nice to be here today. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much. We, uh, we're going to focus on Winter. Of course, she's our featured guest. But Don, we might have you come out of the bullpen for a couple of things. So just be prepared, okay? That sounds awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Well, winners, good to good to catch up here. I appreciate you coming on. We met one another a few weeks ago up in Vermont at the 431 Project, which any listener can Google and check out, but a very healthy venue to promote healthy living, healthy mind, healthy body. But I would not do it justice to interview you and provide the audience with, with your introduction. So, Winner, for those who don't know you, could you take a second, introduce yourself, and let us know what you're up to these days? Yeah, so you, you know my name is Winter Vanecki, and currently I'm 15 years old. When I was nine years old, I lost my dad to a very rare and aggressive form of prostate cancer, but I chose to take action. I decided to form a nonprofit organization called Team Winter and have now helped raise close to $500,000 to help raise money and awareness for prostate cancer. I've T- done marathon on all seven continents in honor of prostate cancer awareness and in honor of my dad, who only lived 10 months after the time he was diagnosed. I'm also, in addition to running right now, currently training in hopes of making the 2018 Winter Olympics in aerial skiing. Wow, that is truly remarkable. Do us a favor, give us the facts. I know when we were together, you mentioned some facts that are quite astonishing. I know the focus should be generally, of course, on cancer itself, but Prostate cancer, we do not hear enough of, in, in, in my personal opinion, and I think we shared a conversation when we were together. What are some of those facts that people may overlook? Well, one of the biggest things is that prostate cancer affects one in six men, and it's so much more common than even breast cancer, which affects one in eight women. So it affects so many men around the world, and the men don't want to talk about it. So that's why um, I have to go out there and talk about it for them. A lot of people think it's just an old man's disease, but it's not. A lot of men in their late 30s and 40s, like my dad, are being diagnosed with prostate cancer. Thanks for sharing that. It's such vital information. 
So thank you very much. Now, Winner, I always like to start, before we unpackage your journey, with a quote or a mantra, something that means uh, something very special or dear to you and, and how it applies to your life. Do you mind sharing one with us? Yeah, my biggest advice and kind of the thing that I think about in my own life is to to dream big and to never let age, gender, or race be a barrier. Fantastic. And how do you use that now to motivate yourself or to include others? Because I, I hear a very strong message there. Well, ever since I was very young, my mom taught me to dream big. And I've kind of just taken that in everything that I've done. I've never kind of put these these barriers on myself because I am so young. Because youth around the world are doing amazing things and people don't realize the potential that that youth have and are capable of. Now, nine years old is when your your father passed there. Before before nine, you're so active now, of course. I am curious, were you physically active at seven, eight? Uh, some some people say that they were active from the day they were born. What what was sports and in general running or any of those outdoor activities for you look like when we go back in time? I would say I was definitely one of those people that was very active and always running around since the day I was born. Started skiing when I was just three and running when I was four or five years old. So I was very involved. I grew up in a, in a, in a house in Michigan where we had 200 acres of woods. So we would just go out and run around. We'd have bike races around our driveway and all kinds of different things. It was basically just natural to us to be outside playing around and being active all the time. Now, you have siblings, correct? Yes, I have three brothers. I have an older brother, Yukon, who's 17, and a younger brother, Magnum, who's 14, and Ruger, who is 12. Now, when you were doing all these wonderful things like skiing at three years old, what was mom and dad? How were they involved then? Were they out there with you and an inspiration, or were you just out saying, gosh, I... I, and I know that sounds crazy, he's a three-year-old, but knowing you, you might have, said, hey, I really want to get involved at five, six and, and get out there and start doing things. Well, I don't remember a lot from when I was like, <laughs> three years old and up to five years old, but especially when I was skiing, I think my dad and my mom would always be out skiing with us, but then my grandpa, who is my mom's dad, is actually a ski instructor and has now been for well over 50 years and is one of the oldest ski instructors in Michigan. So he was really the one who kind of got me started into the skiing world. And then my mom and uncle are the ones who got me kind of in the running and triathlon world. So both my mom and my dad have always been there for me. But my dad was actually more of a musician. He didn't start doing athletics and different running events until uh, we started doing them, basically. What did he play? He did various different things. He was in polka bands ever since he was growing up very, very young. So he played piano, drums, uh, guitar, and acoustic bass, so various different things. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now, tell us what you're up to right now. Yeah, so right now I'm in between our summer and our winter training for aerial skiing. It's too cold, and they're tearing down to rebuild the ramps at the Utah Olympic Park, mm. and we're just waiting for snow to come. So while I'm w- waiting in the, kind of this two-month period, I've just I recently got back from the ESPNW Summit, is an amazing opportunity to be around all these inspirational female athletes who are kind of making a difference and showing that you really shouldn't be putting up this gender barrier. And currently I am hoping to write a book and working on a book proposal with uh, ghostwriter Matthew Lysiak. So a lot of good things coming. There are. And 
when I saw you, when you weren't giving a speech and shaking hands and sharing your story, you were also taking online classes at, uh, I'd say, a pretty advanced level. Can you <laughs> discuss that a little bit? Because there were some things on that screen, Winter, that there's no way I ever approached such a, such the, <laughs> such a course when I was in school. <laughs> My school is definitely not the traditional high school. Since I was in seventh grade, I basically started thinking about doing online school because I was traveling so much and having to miss so much school, but I didn't want to sacrifice a good education. And so when I was in eighth grade, I started doing an online high school through Stanford University. It's called the Stanford OHS or Stanford Online High School. And now I have been taking classes through them for, this, this is five years now. And basically what it is is they take kids from around the world, you get IQ tests and go through all this testing to get accepted, and then you basically sit down at specific times during the day, Monday through Thursday, do your classes with live kids there, live instructors to help you out with the, the work and guide you in a lot, of the, a lot of the courses, which most of them are college-level courses, so it's definitely not an easy school. Now, is the goal which I recognize is a little bit of a, of, of a fun mystery ahead, but is the goal to continue online classes or actually potentially attend a school like Stanford or anywhere that you would choose? It's definitely a tough thing to try to figure out because when I, I'll graduate in 2016 and then I'm hoping to make the 2018, so I'll have kind of two years in between there. And I definitely want to go to Stanford University for college, but I'd much rather go to the actual university instead of doing it online, but we'll have to figure out if I have to do online the first two years or figure something out with that. That's right. Well, we'll live in the moment now and worry about that a little bit later, but yeah. I appreciate you sharing all of that. So if you don't mind, take us back to part of the journey there. And I say part of the journey because it's always, it's always going on. It, it just doesn't start in my opinion, but nine years old, you know, you lose your father to this, this awful cancer. You then find a way to, I'd say, make a difference, but also to bring awareness and challenge yourself. <laughs> I could see that from some of the accomplishments, but also others in, in their mindset. Where did that little egg, so to say, hatch? Was it immediately? Was it a couple years later? And what was the progression to where you are today? The main thing where my kind of drive to help others started uh, when I was doing a 10K race in uh, Clearwater, Florida, an Iron Girl 10K, it was my, my first 10K, and you could choose to race for a platform. I chose to have uh, childhood obesity as my, as my cause, and I was a top fundraiser at the event, raising $1,100. Less than a year after that race is when my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. We were ready to sign the paperwork for Team Winter Being for Childhood Obesity, but the day my dad was diagnosed, I knew that I had to do something to help him and to help all of the men and families who are affected by this disease that no one was really talking about. So that's where it all started. Basically, from the time my dad was diagnosed, I knew, I knew that Team Winter was going to be for prostate cancer awareness. So Team Winter actually existed before your dad was diagnosed? It was, it was kind of in the progress before he was diagnosed and then as I said, we were getting ready to file all the paperwork, and the paperwork were sitting on the attorney's desk right before we made the switch. Interesting. So now this is where I step back a little bit, and Mom, feel free to kick in here if you have, uh, because it's it, 
for somebody at your age to be running a 10K for childhood obesity, I find is fascinating. I really do, and I'm sorry. I just have to uh, provide that a huge pat on the back for you there. Um, to, to put together a name and have that ready to go and knowing that there would be a future of, of basically helping others through, through sport or through any means – where, where does this come from in, in the family? This is, uh, it's, it's remarkable, and I've worked with a lot of families. I've seen a lot of families, and not many people, and I give credit everywhere where credit is due, but not many people, uh, I would say, get organized and, and, and actually go out and do it. A lot of talk, not much doing. I think it just comes from the fact I work in the medical field, and I see such a need for so many different causes. And so when I saw her at age eight, wanting to go out and run this distance that most kids don't run. And a lot of the um, people, the adults, had uh, platforms for why they were fundraising. And, you know, that's when I said, Winter, you know, what, what would you like to raise money for? And, you know, let's, let's make this so that we can help people. Because um, it was kind of like her birthday celebration. And I said, you know, let's, let's think of a cause that you believe in. Because this was before her dad had uh, prostate cancer. And so, you know, that's when she said, you know, I just really feel for these kids. I see them getting picked on at school and, you know, childhood obesity is becoming this huge problem. And so, um, you know, we, we foster that type of stuff in our home and it's about helping others in the world and making other people's lives better. And so, um, that's probably, you know, where it, it first, you know, she first started to learn about, you know, racing for a cause and, and helping others. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And my wife and I actually had a discussion the other day about w- when is too young and when are you hit on it before, right? We're not going to remember many, many things from when we were <laughs> younger past a certain age. But but, but Donna, I, I love the fact that you introduced this at such a, a young age. When, you're a parent of four. I'd call you an expert at this point. When is that appropriate age to, to really get others involved in the family, to start looking at something other than ourselves? I know that we try to preach that message, but it's hard to stick until they can gravitate towards that and really take it on their own. I think it's a, it's a, it's a culture that you need to start from the time they're really born. I mean – I mean, that was the first real discussion we had about helping others and, and things in our family. But you have to realize Winter was the second oldest child. So you have the little ears of her younger two brothers listening in. And it was appropriate at that time. And they saw it. And so they learned at a much younger age um, what it meant. And especially a year later when the cause became so near and dear to our heart um, with Team Winter being associated with prostate cancer and, and keeping their dad's memory alive. So I don't think there is a wrong age. And I think what needs to happen is that the parents need to be doing it all along, racing for a cause, fundraising, supporting things, volunteering. Um, that way, as the children grow up, it really isn't a certain time that the introduction is made. It's just something that the kids grew up seeing and it's being that example. And that's what I've always wanted to be and continue to be to my children is to, to be that example. Well, thanks. Thank you for sharing that. That is, that is really nice to hear. And in and, and sports, what's so attractive about supporting others, supporting a cause through sports? And in, in winter, feel free to, to jump in here as well. But it, it could be a number of different ways. We've had folks come on here and talk about, yes, you could go and do a bake sale. You could do all sorts of things in this world. But sport, there's something special about it. And I'm curious to, to uh, like unravel what it is for you that allows that to, to be the medium. To give. For me, I think the best part about sport is that a sense of self-accomplishment, whether you're doing it as a team or doing it 
in individual sports such as running and triathlons, you still have that sense of accomplishment when you cross that finish line or your team wins that event. And that's the best part. Yes, if you do a bake sale, you sell some cookies, you get excited. But it's not like that feeling when you get across that finish line. And especially for me, I know that when I'm racing for a cause, though, it makes that feeling going across the finish line 10 times better because I'm not just doing it for myself, but I'm doing it for others. And the other great thing about sports is it keeps you healthy. So when you're out there, you can know that you're keeping your body fueled for success and keeping your body ready for anything you want to accomplish. Well, I very much appreciate that. And I can relate. And I really do think that sport is such a great way to bring people together. So tremendous. Now, winter, one could say you could have started and continued to run 10Ks, you know, maybe mix in a triathlon here and there at a, at a young age. But no, we went seven continents, marathons. Uh, yeah, maybe the Olympics in 2018. Can can you let me know here and share with our audience? We went from like one drive to to hyperdrive, and I say that with all due respect and and credit to your inner drive. And so, un- again, I, I like to unravel the journey. But but what what made you continue to go sort of bigger with loftier goals? And are there any struggles along the way that you've experienced as you do that? I mean, struggles, uh, there's definitely plenty of struggles, but my kind of drive and motivation, part of the reason that I wanted to do like the seven marathons and have these high dreams came from my first Olympic distance triathlon in Walt Disney World, Florida. And this was the last race my dad ever saw me cross the finish line at. I was nine years old when I did it, and most people told me that I shouldn't be doing that race. I couldn't possibly swim a mile, bike 25 miles, and run a 10K when I was only nine years old, but I went out there in that event and I finished it in under four hours. And this kind of made the adults and those who say I couldn't, I couldn't do it take a step back and I kind of proved them wrong. And that, that sense of accomplishment for me, knowing that all these people, even though they had these doubts, I was able to accomplish, uh, accomplish my goal, really made me have this drive to pursue bigger and even better things. And after my dad passed away, I was looking through a Guinness Book of World Records. And that's when I came across the youngest person to run a marathon on all seven continents. I immediately knew that I would have these struggles again, people telling me I shouldn't be doing it. But I was going to do it for, for prostate cancer awareness and in honor of my dad. One of the biggest struggles throughout basically my whole life has been this fact of uh, people doubting my age and people telling me I'm too young. But I always tell those people that my dad waited until he was older to accomplish all of his dreams, like continuing to pursue his music career. But he waited to do those things and now isn't here to accomplish any of those goals. It is tremendous where this drive continues. Now, how do you pick up skiing? Where does that, I understand you were a competitive person and I understand that you like to ski, but I've been to Utah. I've seen those, those jumps that you were just speaking about. Now I was there when they were jumping into the water, not landing on snow. And I was a little bit fearful just being there with my, with myself separated from what was happening on the, on the slope, so to say. How does one now transition into the Olympics and a uh, hopeful for the Olympics in doing aerials? So growing up in Michigan, I started ski racing since I was four or five years old and continued downhill ski racing 
up until we moved out to Oregon after my dad passed away. But I was just so small for downhill that I wasn't going to make it very far um, just because part of the you need to have a little a little weight on you to get down the hill. And so it was becoming a challenge for me. And I didn't I didn't really view this as, you know, as a barrier. But when I went out to an event in at the Women's Sports Foundation in New York City a few years ago, back in 2012, I met Emily Cook, who is who's an Olympian for the U.S. team for aerial skiing. She basically came up to me and introduced herself. Hi, I'm Emily. Would you like to come try try my sport, aerial skiing? I don't even know how it happened so fast, but a few weeks later, I was out in Park City, Utah, at the Olympic recruitment camp. I became the newest and youngest member to Fly Freestyle, which is the Olympic development program. A week after that, that camp, trained throughout the summer and kind of stuck with it, realized that I love this sport, even though I never even heard of it before, before Emily Cook had mentioned it to me. All right, mom, I need you to step in for a second here because I just want to play devil's advocate for a second, which is, d- did you ever have these discussions with Winner and said, uh, uh, Winner, I, I get it. I, you're, you're doing things for a purpose. We totally get it. The family with the emotion. And, and of course, you are, you know, you're running races at Disney, but maybe we should slow down a little bit and figure out, you know, what direction you're going in life. And one of those typical maybe parent speeches, did that ever cross your mind or it was like, hey, Mm-mm. go for it. You know, that never, ever once crossed my mind. It never once crossed my mind to uh, question or double guess what she was doing, what her ambitions were. She always determined for herself what she wanted to do. I remember the phone call I got from her uh, after her first jump off the water ramps. She said, Mom, I never want to go around another gate in my life, sell my downhill ski stuff, I'm staying here. That was how she transitioned into uh, the aerial skiing. And before that, she had never done a 360, never done a flip on her skis, never basically got her skis off the ground. And so there was never a doubt. I never questioned her. I never told her to slow down or or think twice. Um, And I don't know why. Um, It's not... um, a bad thing, I don't think. I think that sometimes, you know, kids have to chase their dreams and you have to let them chase them. Otherwise, they have a lot of regret. And um, so that's kind of how things transition for us. And, you know, I never stepped in and, and had that discussion with her. I mentioned challenges before, and I'd, I'd love for both your feedback. Uh, but, Mom, maybe you could start off first with this. The challenges of, of, I don't want to call it a normal upbringing because I don't truly believe in, in, in there, there needs to be a, t- a label for that. But the fact that maybe winter's not around all the time as she might be staying at home and she is traveling. And of course, I am there meeting you out in, in Vermont. And there's just a lot going on. And, and sometimes I would say little time for rest. For those listening who may be in a position in their own life or know other people that are leading what I would call an untraditional, uh, non-traditional life. What, what's your advice to, well, at least please free floor to, to share the challenges, but then your advice to overcome them. There's so many challenges that people don't realize, especially being a widowed parent of four children. Um, I take on all the responsibilities solo, uh, with these children 
And, you know, we moved away from all of our family and family support um, so that I could have a better job and allow better access for my kids to what they needed here on the West Coast. And so it's truly, uh, you know, a one man show, myself and, you know, my four children. And so we have a lot of struggles. She's my only daughter and she has not lived at home since she was 11 years old. And so um, we had a lot of struggles with she had a lot of speaking engagements and traveled the world and needed to get places and get on airlines by herself. And so we had a lot of travel struggles because I have three other children to take care of and not just fly around the world with her. And so we had a tremendous amount of, of challenges. Um, her brothers growing up without their sister always around. And so technology with Skype and things like that have made things incredibly much easier uh, we literally turn on the Skype uh, in the evenings, and so it's just like she's with us, you know, 24-7. Um, so there's been a lot of struggles that people don't see. People really don't realize when their child is trained to be an Olympian, the sacrifices, the commitment, and the dedication that it takes. And I think the, the, the biggest piece of advice is you really have to learn time management um, because there's so many things going on um, that you have to handle. And so you have to prioritize and... You cannot sweat the small stuff. You just, you can't. And I tell Winter the same thing. You have to surround yourself with a village of people who believe in you and believe in your cause. And that is key um, because it wasn't just me necessarily helping Winter with all of this success and, and with her travels and her training. There's a village of people out there that deserve credit. There's people that Winter has stayed with across the world. There are people who have taken care of her when I couldn't. There are people who caught her at the airport on the other end when I can't. And so really it's surrounding yourself with a village of people um, to help you. Yeah. And that's probably the biggest advice I can give. That's great advice. That's great advice. Now, is anybody able to sit down and turn on a movie and everybody's there watching it? Or is that almost impossible these days? <laughs> I think it's it's definitely pretty rare to all be in one place at the same time. And sometimes when I'm here, then Ruger, my youngest brother, will go off and he'll have have a cross-country event or a race with some of his friends. So it's pretty rare, except for maybe a few weeks out of the year, that we're all together and can actually sit down and watch a movie as a family. Oh, that's great. Uh, when you do, I'm sure it's magical. So uh, lots going on. Now, I do have to ask, names, and, and Mom, here we go again, but uh, – the name Winter, and then some of the other names in the family. I think it's a beautiful name, and I'd love to hear a little bit of the backdrop of that, if you don't mind. Well, Winter was born December 18th, and so obviously we knew she was going to be coming in the winter month. And to me, winter's probably the most amazing, most beautiful uh, season that there is growing up in northern Michigan with lots of glistening snow. So we kind of knew, you know, winter was the perfect fit for, for her name. And plus, there were, there were, at least to our knowledge, no other winters. There was summers and there was autumns and springs, but winter was not a name that we had ever heard of. And um, so that's where winter came from. And then Yukon um, is actually named after a potato. Sounds weird, but when you grow up on a 2,000-acre potato farm, um, you live and breathe potatoes. And so um, Yukon was another very cool name. Nobody had the name Yukon, and so he was named after the Yukon Gold. And so then Magnum came around, and Magnum is actually not after a car or ice cream bar. He was named after a tractor series by International. And so he was another farming name. And so he goes by Mag or Magnum. And then 
after you have those three kids' names, you really can't go with a John. <laughs> we had to think of something very unique, and um, Ruger is actually named after a rifle because we all hunt for a living in northern Michigan, and we all had Ruger rifles, and so it was only fitting that we named him Ruger. I love it. And you're you're just Don, right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I had such an ordinary name that I didn't like. <laughs> But there is no way I was going to have my kids growing up not liking their name. And every once in a while I ask them, I said, would you ever change your name? And they're like, no way. They each love their name. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Winner, you're right there. You attest, you, you, you concur. You could say that this is true, correct? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's such a great name. It really is. Now let's, let's bring you back. Now, you know what, when we spoke and we had just given a speech and the, the theme, the central theme in Vermont and the 431 project that we were attending was what would you tell your 15 year old self? And I found that fascinating because you were the first speaker. And by the way, and I told you this in person, but I would love the world to hear it. Uh, as you can hear now from Winter Speaking, she is a tremendous speaker. Winter, I don't know where you got this talent from, but it's incredible. And I really enjoyed listening to you. And you went first. And no offense to anybody else listening that also participated. <laughs> Hands down, the best speaker that was there. So I just wanted to publicly say that and commend you. But... The, the topics were, what would you tell your 15-year-old self? Now, I would say most people in the, in the room, average age, around 30, 40, somewhere in there, maybe a little bit older, and you are 15. Can you shed light a little bit on what you spoke about? Because you were giving advice to yourself, which I found was a really cool speech. It was definitely very interesting because <laughs> it was advice to my 15-year-old self when I am 15. So a lot of my talk was kind of aiming at talking to other 15-year-olds as well, and kind of just sharing my story, how I grew up and my experience with running the different marathons, the struggles that I had. But being only 15, I didn't let this age be a barrier and always was taught to dream big. And so just kind of shared my story and how kind of I got through all these, these different struggles and what advice I'd give to other 15-year-olds. It was a great speech. And I Absolutely loved it. So thanks for reflecting on that. Okay, now I do need to take you back to uh, no Olympics, uh, no marathons, and uh, proof to the world here that you still are a 15-year-old. Winner, what is your favorite movie? Oh, my favorite movie? I don't know if I have a single favorite movie. I my, A lot of favorite like songs and movies always change basically every few weeks, but... I love a lot of comedies, and so basically any of the recent comedies that have came out, I've always always had a huge love for. That's cool. Well, obviously, by the fact that it changes every few weeks, you are uh, showing us that you're still a teenager, which is fantastic. So how about a song? I mean, you mentioned the fact that there's not just one, but something that motivates you, something you maybe have on your workout tape. I can't believe I just said workout tape, by the way. Workout mix. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well... I usually just put my my phone on Pandora and let it shuffle through, but just like some of the songs, like some of Ariana Grande's songs and uh, a few of Maroon 5s and just things like that. Some A lot of the pop from nowadays, I don't have, like I said, I don't have a single song that I ever always listen to because I always just put it on shuffle and basically let it play. Otherwise, I get sick of it if I listen to it too much. <laughs> Well, I'm afraid to ask this question then. A, 
book. Do you have a book recommendation, one that you've kind of had in your back pocket for uh, maybe a couple years or you enjoy reflecting back on? Or is it just, once again, too many and, and not enough time? Well, as when I was growing up, I read a book called The Christmas Doll. I haven't read it since I was in elementary school, so I don't know how much <laughs> I'd like it now. But that was a, a good book that I read when I was when I was younger. But now I've kind of got a collection of books that I got from the Four Three One Project, like Spartan Up, and um, I had this book called The Compound Effect from from a few years ago. <laughs> I haven't had the chance to read those yet, but <laughs> kind of have a little bit of collection of fictional stories and kind of motivational books. A lot of times I have kind of this, almost this book with little short stories that you can read before bed and that kind of give you that motivation and kind of help people kind of a little bit think about their lives and think about what they want to do just before they go to bed. Now, take sports aside for a second. to simply relax and enjoy your formative years here, your 15-year-old self. What, what do you like to do outside of sports? Well, the biggest thing since I'm not around my family a lot is just to spend time with my mom and brothers and my friends back here in Oregon that I went to public school with. I don't have the opportunity to do that a lot. And basically, anything I do is pretty much active, so I don't know if there's a time when I'm not doing some sort of sort of sport. When I'm here in Oregon, I love to just go out with my brothers, climb the trees, have airsoft wars, maybe sit down and watch a movie. I, my bro- younger brother Ruger and I have a, a kind of a new TV show. We had a TV show we're watching over the summer together, and now I have a, a new show that we've been watching. So kind of just family things, basically. There we go. What are those shows? Well, over the summer, I watched Lost. And I finished all six seasons. <laughs> and then um, one of the other new shows that we're watching right now is called Prison Break. Ah, good one. A good one. I won't comment because I don't know where you are, but I do like that. Now, now, did you say something about Aerosoft Aero Wars or something like that? Yeah, Airsoft Wars, like Airsoft guns. Oh. We have a couple guns. So just, like with the little plastic pellets or Little, I don't even know, little plastic balls that they shoot. Mom. So we put our goggles on, check the eyeballs, and then maybe put a sweatshirt on, depending how how powerful the gun is. My my younger brother just got a new one, and it's it shoots pretty hard. So I'm kind of scared to play him now. Yeah, I would be too. Now, Don, do you ever pull these out when they won't go to bed? Uh, no, you know what? I just let them put, they don't have set bedtimes. They all get seven to eight hours of sleep. And, um, I just try and avoid the airsoft gun (laughs) myself because I'm an easy target, but they also know that their mom is very deadly. And I've showed them several times that don't mess with me. So, uh, they, they leave me alone with the airsoft guns. That's great. Now, Don, do you stay active as well right now? I know you're doing so many different things, working hard, raising four children, basically raising a public relations, running a public relations uh, business as well here. But are are you able to get out and and enjoy as well? So I think it's extremely important to, like I said, always be a great role model to the kids. And so I'm not going to, you know, push winter to train hard every day. And and the same with my, you know, her brothers, people don't realize they have a personal trainer, they train hard, whether they're going to be a computer genius, like her 17 year old brother, they're still going to be fit um, physically, um, which then helps them mentally um, be successful. And so uh, I actually train every morning um, from 5 to 6 a.m. And I have um, 
since, you know, for years. And I trained hard, you know, because I ran every marathon with Winter and we became the first mother-daughter in the world to run a marathon on every continent. And then she did world championships for obstacle course racing last year and NBC TV insisted that I also do it. So I did that last <laughs> last year. Yeah. And then we yeah. ran this summer, This yeah, this last summer, we um, she was in another event and we actually ran from um, Ham, uh, Hamburg, was it Hamburg, Germany to... Rotterdam, uh, Netherlands, and it was a 580 kilometer relay race. And so I somehow ended up on that relay team. <laughs> and so you never know what winter is going to get you into as being winter's mom. And so I feel I have to train every day because I never know what's around the corner and what I'll be, uh, coerced into. <laughs> now winter, you know what I'm hearing, right? I'm hearing the uh, first mother daughter team to win a, a gold silver in the aerial ski jump. <laughs> <laughs> that is not happening. She got off of. She I was, did. I. You know, it's funny because I. They have a parent day, and of course, you know, Winter says, "Mom, you got to go, and you got to go off the jump." And so I can honestly say I've done a front flip off the the single jump. Wow. And wow. so. There's nothing that she hasn't done. Well, I haven't went off on snow, but um, <laughs> I, I try and keep things in perspective so that they can't say, Mom, you don't understand. And so I do understand. I've done marathons. I've done Ironmans. I've, you know, I, I've done everything pretty much that my kids have done. And so they can never pull that card on me. There you go. Well, good for you for going down. I would be scared out of my wits because that's what a, how many feet are you going up in the air there when you, when you hit that? On single year probably 10, 15 feet in the air. But then once you get up to double, you're more like 30 feet in the air. And you're just splashing down. I mean, obviously, if you have the grace, uh, and Don, I'm not saying anything about you, but winter, the grace of the landing. But uh, did mom, how was her landing? <laughs> well, the first one, I told her, because when you're doing a front flip, you have to basically have your hands in front, like an athletic position. And then you have a good pop. So you like Superman off the jump and then pull it over. And so I told her to make sure she gets that nice Superman, and she went off, and she was just flying through the air, pretending she's Superman, and kind of forgot to pull, so I'm yelling, pull at the last second, she, like, pulls to her back. I don't know if that would have felt too too good on snow, but the second time, she managed to get it around. There you go. Well, good job. Good job, Don. Way to back, <laughs> bounce back. I love that. I'm sure there's some good video somewhere of that that will never be seen. Mom, make sure of that. So, well, I really appreciate coming on the show here. I do have one one last question and, and then want to get some information of how we can learn more about you. But as I look at the year 2018, an adult, I have two kids, uh, so much obviously is going on. And 2018, that sounds crazy. But for you, looking to that year and aiming for the Olympics, that is, as, as your mom just said a second ago, the amount of hard work and sacrifice that needs to go into that for such a period that's so distant from now. How do, and I'd be curious on both of your perspectives, uh, and, and perhaps winter you can go first, but how do you, how do you, I know there's a lot of things going on, but how do you keep that, in perspective with the now, a goal that's three, four years from now. Yeah, it's definitely very tough. And even though it seems like 2018 so far away, it's already coming up so quick. I feel like it was just yesterday that I started doing aerial skiing, but now it's it's been three years already. So I'm already basically half of the time or half of the way to to the to 2018. 
So it's really not that far away. It is hard, though, thinking, oh, man, four more years of training every day like this. How am I supposed to make it through that? And I think the biggest thing is just set small goals. Like the next goal is to make the national team, which and then you have to rank up in the World Cup. So you have these small goals because you can't just magically have this one big goal and somehow poof, you're there. It doesn't work like that. And then, Don, what's your perspective? Because we don't want to speed up time. I know if I was winter, I, 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 we have these small events that are, of course, huge and help us uh, qualify for, for the bigger event. But at the same time, we want to, we want to slow everything down, enjoy these years. Uh, but there is this date coming up. How do you manage that in your own mind or with discussions uh, with winter? I think I didn't realize how quick time was flying until just recently because my son is now a senior and I'm looking at him being out of the home next year and away in college. Mm-hmm. And I look at winter and she's all of a sudden went from this kid, this child to this, you know, teenager getting ready to drive in a couple months. And I've really focused myself on the here and the now because I kept finding myself looking forward to, okay, next year she gets to do this. And, you know, uh, really you have to pull yourself back and just enjoy every single day because now all my kids are suddenly not these young little, you know, kids. They're, you know, becoming these mini adults and um, time goes by way too fast. And pretty soon my nest is going to be empty. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I like that. Yeah. yeah. I respect that. I respect and honor that. Well, both of you, thank you. Now, this I, I'm just thinking here, and Winter, don't take offense, but your poor brothers, right? Let's talk about them for one second. Can you give me something fun about your brothers as well as uh, – let's just have some fun and say, what, what are they going to be doing in a few years? You know, They're going off to high school, college, whatever it may be, but as you see them now, so we can play this back and say, oh, that was interesting, kind of like a yearbook in a way, but something fun about your brothers as well as where you think they're going to be as they uh, grow up and, and, and get older here. UConn definitely, I feel like he has his future already set up for him. He became a pilot before he even got his driver's license. So I'm sure he's going to continue to be a pilot and continue flying in the future. And then one of the other biggest things for UConn right now is he is huge in computers and he's always been into computers and gaming since he was, since he was I don't even know, basically eight, maybe before he even got a computer. And... He recently started working for Minecraft, and he now helps run one of the top Minecraft servers. And he's only 17, so even though he's so young, he's proven that you know age is not this barrier. So he's definitely well set up and possibly wants to go also to Stanford or some, some high-end college in California. And then Magnum and Ruger, they're kind of still figuring out what they want to do. They're both in, in middle school, Magnum's in eighth grade, Ruger's in seventh. So right now, Magnum is playing lacrosse uh, and Ruger, actually. And then Ruger's also into a lot of running. He does track and cross country. So there's kind of an open end for those two. They haven't quite figured out what they want to do yet, besides yeah. having a passion for, for sports, like all of us, basically. And do you pretty much dominate them in all sports? I try to. I <laughs> I put on uh, at one of Madden's football games. I put on his gear afterwards and run, running around. His teammates would be looking at me. Wait, that's not Magnum. And then I go out and put Ruger's gear on when he's not here and go play play Magnum in lacrosse. And sometimes can kick his butt and go make a goal. But 
he still has me in a few things that I that I don't have practice in, like some of the lacrosse skills. Oh. I try to try to beat them down to say that they're their sister can kick their butt. <laughs> I love it. We'll never lose that. And I don't think I need to tell that to you. So now seriously, what's, what's in the water up there? Like, like Don, I mean, Minecraft flying planes. I mean, what, what, where were these children raised? Uh, they came from Northern Michigan. I think there's definitely uh, something in Northern Michigan that there's not in a lot of other places. And I think growing up on a farm is really key um, yeah. because these kids grew up climbing to the top of trees when they're four or five years old. Their minds were open. The space was open. They didn't grow up in homes with, you know, playing computers and, and TV and stuff. And I think they were also just in an environment that girls could do anything boys could do. Um, and therefore, it challenged my boys to even be better so that they could prove that wrong. Um, so I think that they just grew up in a amongst a, a, an amazingly normal, what I call normal family um, that most kids don't experience. There was no divorces. There was no... You know, they got to know their grandparents, um, let alone um, their great grandparents. They had, you know, four great grandparents that were still alive in their 90s that they all got to meet and see, and all of their grandparents are alive. And so that's pretty amazing. That is amazing. Well, what a wonderful backdrop there for four children to grow up. So. Well, listen, Don, I know how hard, based on our conversation, you're working. Keep up the, the great work there. And Winter, before we say goodbye, please tell us a little bit more about the foundation, where we can follow you, where we can locate you, and all the great things that are, are coming up here so we can stay in touch. So the website for Team Winter is just teamwinter.org, and there's many different things on there, including the Team Winter store, which is where people can go online and order Team Winter gear, like triathlon gear, running gear, race belts, uh, Team Winter hats, backpacks, all kinds of different things. It's The Team Winter store is basically a whole line of especially youth and adult gear, but specifically youth gear that I designed because there was no kids' triathlon gear out there for them. I was tying knots in my mom's <laughs> race belts, so we designed youth race belts to fit these young kids. So there's a bunch of cool things on there. And then if people want to follow me, they can go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Winter Vanecki, and also Winter as a as an athlete page on Facebook and Team Winter as a page and Team Winter on uh, in, uh, Twitter as well. So you can you can basically find a lot of this stuff on on the Team Winter website now. Where are we today, in your opinion, with prostate cancer and mom or, or winter, and, and how can we support this cause? I think we're definitely getting the message out there. Uh, it's, it's been a, a long journey, but we're starting to, to find actually new drugs for prostate cancer. Recently, money raised by Team Winter has helped gone to develop a new drug to treat some of these more aggressive stages of prostate cancer, like the one my dad had. So hearing this news and knowing there's a drug out there now that could have possibly helped save my dad is very, very motivating and really reassures me that we are making a difference and we are making progress. And by the way, we have to say that if you if you don't check out the uh, wintervenecki.com website, you're not going to see the picture of her on the red carpet with, is it Rory Bushfield? Yeah, I was on the, at, uh, the ESPN, uh, the ESPYs yeah, uh, last year. 
and I got to go with Rory Bushfield, which is which is pretty fun. Very cool. Very cool. It's a beautiful picture. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, Don, any last words? I really appreciate you coming on here and, and providing some of the parents' perspectives. So important. Uh, lovely. Well, there's another first. I've never had a mother-daughter team come on here. So thank you so much for both of you. But Don, anything else to add that might not have been said here today? No, I think that parents need to realize that, you know, kids are amazing. And if you let them grieve in their own way, you will be shocked at what they come up with. Um, Winter and the boys came up with, you know, this all on their own. And I think, you know, but of course, the parents have to be supportive because, you know, Winter couldn't have done all of this um, and she couldn't have started a nonprofit on her own. And it needs the support of the parents. And the parents just need to be uh, a, a great role model and and help their kids out and be supportive of their dreams. Thank you so much. And when are your dad's name? Michael Vanecki. Well, all the best to both of you and the entire family, Yukon, Magnum, uh, Ruger. And did I hear a bird, by the way, in the background? Probably. There's already birds chirping here in in Oregon. Despite a little overcast and kind of rainy day. We still got the birds out there. All right. I was just making sure that with the family and everybody there, that there weren't a ton of pets running around either. I thought I heard a pet bird trying to get in on the podcast. Nope. No pet bird. (laughs) All right. All the best. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Until next time, who are you nation? 